It's an evening of old-time radio. of Campbell Soups presents The Campbell Playhouse, Orson Welles, producer. Good evening. This is Orson Welles. For centuries, the heroes of our popular tales have been killers. Outlaws, soldiers, knights in armor, warrior kings. Only recently, within the memory of most of you who are listening tonight, has the healer become a hero. The man who is skillful in making people whole instead of cutting them up. The man who strives to persevere life rather than to destroy it. Tonight's story is one of the first of the recent series of books, plays, and films about men of medicine. In 1930, its author, Mr. Sinclair Lewis, was awarded the Nobel Prize for Literature. Eight years ago, Aerosmith was made into a motion picture. The star of that picture was Miss Helen Hayes. She is here tonight to play in the Campbell Playhouse the same role that she created on the screen. It would be an impertinence for me to attempt any sort of an introduction. One of the greatest and most versatile actresses of our time. And I needn't tell you how proud and happy my sponsor and I and all of us in the Campbell Playhouse are in having her with us tonight. But just now, I'd like you to hear a word from Ernest Chappell. I think you'll agree that when women buy far more of one soup than of any other, that soup must have something very special about it. Such a soup is Campbell's tomato. It has a flavor that good home cooks and professional chefs agree has never been equaled. This magic flavor is the result of a recipe perfected by Campbell's chefs and painstakingly followed at every step. It calls for Campbell's own pedigreed tomatoes, big, firm, luscious beauties developed specially to give glorious color and grand flavor to this most popular of all soups. Their bright, tangy, invigorating goodness is skillfully blended with fine table butter and gentle seasoning to make a tomato soup that almost everybody likes. How often do you have this outstanding favorite soup at your house? Why not look over your soup supply and be sure of having Campbell's tomato soup on hand for this weekend? And now for tonight's story. The Campbell Playhouse presents Aerosmith, starring Helen Hayes and Orson Welles. Dr. Martin Arrowsmith, in the name of His Majesty, King Gustav of Sweden, and on behalf of the honored members of the Nobel Prize Committee, it is my privilege to welcome you to the eminent fellowship of those who, in the realms of science, 
art and literature have rendered distinguished service to the preservation and betterment of humankind. In recognition, therefore, of your brilliant achievement in the fields of bacteriology and physical chemistry, and your unswerving devotion to the tenets of pure science, I have the honor to present to you, Martin Aerosmith. Martin Aerosmith. That's my name. On all sides of me sit leading men of science. Looking down at me, I recognize some of their faces. That man on the aisle to the right and the one just in back of him. Last year's chemistry award. This is the longest walk I can remember. From my seat in the back of the hall down to this platform. A 21-year walk. <laughs> I started it with two others. With Leora and Dr. Gottlieb. Now I'm finishing it. Alone. I started it... 21 years ago, one September evening, in the chemistry lab at Winnemac, class stood very still, I remember, not too close, an assistant holding a guinea pig by its legs. Dr. Gottlieb dipped his hands in the bichloride solution and shook them a quick shake, fingers down, like the fingers of a pianist above the keys. He took a hypodermic this needle from the instrument said, bath and lifted the test tube. You will note, I am sure, that in the bottom of the tumbler there was cotton to keep the tubes from being broken. I cannot advise breaking tubes of anthracis germs and afterwards getting the hands into the culture. You might merely get anthrax spoiled, so you might die a little young. <laughs> I shall now inoculate the second guinea pig and the last will be dismissed. Dr. Gottlieb. Dr. Gottlieb. Well? Yes, yes. Oh, Professor Gottlieb. My name is Aerosmith, Martin Aerosmith. I'm a medical freshman, Winnemac, VA. I'd like awfully to take bacteriology this fall instead of next year. See, I've had a lot of chemistry. Oh, no, it is not time for you. Oh, I know I could do it now, Professor. What do you say your name is? Aerosmith, sir. Well, Aerosmith, have you taken physical chemistry? No, sir, but I, I did pretty well in organic. Organic chemistry, puzzle chemistry, stink chemistry, drugstore chemistry. Physical chemistry is power. It is exactness, it is life. But organic chemistry, that is a trade for pot washers. No, you are too young. Come back in a year, Aerosmith. That year was a time of waiting. I took the first year medical courses and passed them. I learned the proper sugar-coated pills and phrases to comfort patients with while you estimated how much you could charge them. Most of the professors at Winnemac weren't teaching science. They were simply preparing us for a trade. And that was all most of the students wanted. Knowledge that they could cash in on. They didn't talk about saving lives, but about losing cases, losing dollars. My second year, I took Dr. Gottlieb's bacteriology course, and that winter I spent more time with guinea pigs, mice, and rats than with people. I lived in a world of test tubes filled with watery serum or deadly bacilli of roaring Bunsen flames and steaming sterilizers. Hello, Aerosmith. Oh, hello, Professor Gottlieb. You're working late tonight. Let me see your slide. Sure. Ah. Ah. 
Aerosmith, you have craftsmanship. Thank you, sir. Oh, there is an art in science for a few. I see you already. And I watched you in the lab before. Uh, let me see your notes. Yes, sir. Hmm. Hmm. Perhaps next thing you would like to try trypanosomes, a sleeping sickness. Oh, yes, sir. I've been very, very, very interesting and very ticklish to handle. It's quite a nice disease. In some villages in Africa, 50% of the people have it. It is invariably fatal. Notes are not bad, but they can still be more complete. Aerosmith, the most important part of living is not the living, but pondering upon it. And the most important part of experimentation is not doing the experiment, but making notes. Very accurate notes. Well, I'll try to do better with my notes, Professor. I want to do research like you, Professor Gottlieb. You've accomplished so much. The whole world knows what you've done. No, no, I have done nothing except be unpleasant to people that claim too much. But I have dreams of real discovery someday, and for that I need help. You see, Aerosmith, not five times in five years do I have a student who understands craftsmanship and precision and maybe some peak imagination in hypotheses. I think perhaps you may one day be such a student, and perhaps we can help each other, you and I. So... Now it's midnight. I would be pleased if you should come to my room and have a little sandwich out of Smith and we can talk some more. Dr. Gottlieb pointed me as student laboratory assistant. I felt very important. One day in April, I went over to the Zenith Hospital for a strain of yes, bacillus from a it? patient. Can I help I'm you? I'm Dr. Gottlieb's assistant. I'm looking for Dr. Swenson's patient, Ward D, number 17. The second floor, third door to the right. In the passage, there was a young probationer on her knees on the floor. Her yellow hair had fallen over her eyes, and her green and white uniform was as grubby as her pail of scrub water. Hey. Hey, hey, would you walk over on this side, please? I'm still scrubbing over there. Nurse, I want to find Ward D. Do you? I do. I'm sorry to interrupt your work. It looks awfully important. Well, it isn't. The superintendent of nurses put me at scrubbing. You aren't ever supposed to scrub floors, you know, because you caught me smoking a cigarette. <laughs> He's no terror. If you found a child like you wandering around here, she'd drag you out by the ear. It's my impression that even probationers learn that the first duty of a nurse is to stand when addressing a doctor. I'd like oh. to find Ward D to take a strain of a very dangerous microbe. And if you'll kindly direct oh, me I'm to... Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I've been getting fresh again. I didn't mean to be rude. I was just... Scrubbing makes me bad-tempered. I'm sorry I hurt your feelings, but... You do seem so young for a doctor. I'm not. I'm a medical student. I was showing off. So was I. Huh. Ouch, I'm so stiff. Yeah, let me help you. Thanks. Well, pretty hard, this training for nursing, I guess. Not so awful. But it's about as romantic as being a hired girl. That's what we call them in Dakota. I come from Dakota? I come from the most enterprising town in the entire state of North Dakota. Wheatsylvania, it's called. It has 362 inhabitants. Are you in the U Medical School? Yeah, I'm a junior in Mohalis. I'll bet you're good. I don't know. I'm not much of a medic, really. I like the lab side. I think I'd be a bacteriologist. I'm not much for the bedside manner. I'm glad you're not. You get it in here plenty. <laughs> you ought to hear some of the doctors. That are the sweetest old pussies with their patients. The way they ball out the nurses. <laughs> <laughs> but lads, now they seem sort of real. What I've seen of them. I don't suppose you can bluff a bacteria. What is a bacterium? No, they're... Say, what do they call you? Me. Oh, it's an idiotic name. Leora Tozer. <laughs> What's the matter with Leora? It's fine. Do you really think so? Say, when you get away from the hospital for dinner, would you go out with me, say, tonight? 
What? Please. All right. We'll go to the Grand. Well, no, that's terribly expensive unless you're awfully rich. Oh, you I'm, aren't, are you? I'm not. I just enough money to get through medical school, but I'd awfully like to show you... Let's you know. go to the Bijou. It's a nice place, and it isn't expensive, and they got a funny machine there. When you drop nickels in, it plays brassy kind of tunes like a merry-go-round. <laughs> See, I'm glad you're so crazy about your lab work, because, well, everybody was perfectly sane where I came from. I got awful tired of being crazy all alone. <laughs> Research has been largely a matter of trial and error, the empirical method it's called. You try to establish a general law so you can predict what will happen the next time, the time after that. And that's where Gottlieb leaves all these detailed, grubbing, machine-made researchers. You see what I mean? Yes, I think I do. Anyway, I get the way you feel about him. Uh, you don't have to shout so, you know. Oh, was I shouting? I didn't mean to. Only when I get to thinking about the way most of these profs don't even know what Gottlieb's up to, the way those idiots don't even see the relation of his work on the synthesis of antibodies, the discoveries of Arrhenius, gee... Laura, hope I'm not boring you. I'm loving it. I get so technical and so noisy. You didn't even stop me and tell me I ought to have better manners. I don't see anything wrong with your manners. Don't you really? Has someone been trying to bring you up? Yeah, but not with any success. Listen, I like having you trust me. I'm not earnest, and I haven't any brains whatever. But I do love it when my men think I'm intelligent enough to hear what they really you think. You don't have to tell me about yourself. I've always known you, Leora. I'm not going to let you go no matter what. You're going to marry me. Yes. I guess I am. At the end of my medical course, Leora and I were married at the city hall, Zenith. You're mine now, darling. I warn you, it isn't going to be a bit of use of you ever looking at any other woman again. I'd tear her eyes out. Oh, you needn't think so well of yourself. I don't, Leora. You'll be happy with me because you can bully me. Because I'll tag after you the way no one else ever would. I'm... I'm stupid and ordinary. Oh, Leora. Oh, yes, I am. But I worship you. I know your work's more important than I am. Maybe more important than you are. More... Oh, Martin, I do love you so. We lived at Zena's hospital. Or I did. She lived out of town. I saw her as often as I could, but I didn't go near Dr. Godley. The old man never said anything, but I remember the way he shook his head when he looked over the notes on my last half-hearted experiment. And my duties as an intern kept me too busy to do much regretting. I saw Gottlieb once more before I left Zenith. One night I was off duty. Leora and I were walking home from the movies, and ahead of us the tall, stooped figure of a man appeared coming towards us slowly down the street, under the street lamp. Suddenly saw his face. Martin! Martin, you still remember me? <laughs> Dr. Gottlieb! <laughs> of course I remember you. How is everything, Martin? Everything's fine. I mean, I'm getting along, I guess. Dr. Gottlieb, I want you to meet my wife. Mrs. Arrowsmith. Dr. Gottlieb, I'm glad to know you. Thank you. Your husband, he was a good chaser of little bugs. <laughs> Sometime, Mrs. Arrowsmith, make him remember. Yes, doctor, I will. Good night. Good night. Good night, Dr. Gottlieb. So that's your Dr. Gottlieb. Yeah. Senora, 
How's he strike you? I think he's the greatest man I've ever seen. I don't know how I know, but he is. I wish... I wish we were going to see him again. He, he's the first man I ever laid eyes on that I'd leave you for, Martin, if he wanted me. He's... Oh, he's like a sword. No, he's like a brain walking. Hmm. Oh, and he looked so wretched. I wanted to cry. I'd black his shoes, Martin. Yeah. So would I, Leo. But we didn't see Dr. Gottlieb again before we left Zenith. Leora's family wanted us to come to their town in Dakota. When I'd finished my training, they offered to finance me while I started my practice. So soon after we arrived, they held a family council with Mrs. Toza presiding. I had such a nice idea, Martin. Why can't we fix you up an office out in the barn? It'd be so handy to the house for you to get to meals on time. You could keep an eye on the house. The barn? I don't think you understand, Mother Toast. Why, yes, the old harness room. It's partly sealed, and we could put in some nice tar paper or even do Mother Toast, what the dickens do you think I'm planning to do? I'm not a hired man in a livery stable or a kid looking for a place to put his bird's eggs. I was thinking of opening an office as a physician. Yeah, but you aren't much of a physician yet. You're just getting your toes in. Darn good physician, Bert. Now, look here, Mark. As we're putting up the money, I... I don't want to be a tightwad, but after all, a dollar is a dollar... If we furnish the dough, we've got to decide the best way to spend it. Isn't that so, Pop? Look, Father. I want you to lend us $1,000 outright. To use as we see fit. $1,000? We'll pay you 6%. No, we won't. We'll pay 5 That's enough. The mortgage is bringing 6 7 and 8 Five's enough. And we want our own say absolute as to how we use it. To fix up an office or anything else. Now, Leo, Sorry, that's you're a... crazy. I suppose we'll have to lend you some money, but... You'll blame well come to us for it from time to time. And you'll blame well take our advice. Bertie. And the barn's plenty good enough. Bertie, I know what we'll do. You seem to have the barn on your brain. Ah, you move your old bank there, and Martin will take the bank building for his own. Now, that's now there's no different. sense to you two showing off and trying to be smart. Either you do what I say, just exactly what I say, or Martin and I take the first train back to Zenith, and I mean it. Plenty of places open from there with a big salary, so we won't have to be dependent on anybody. Well, now, Ori, don't take it that way. Well, do we get our thousand dollars or do we go back to Zenith? The aura won out. I got my office. Within a rickety building near the station, we nailed a new sign on the door. On it were gold letters. Martin Arasis, Miss M.D. (laughs) (laughs) Gee, Martin, it looks grand. And it's fun having a place all your own, isn't it? Yeah. I wish the patients would start coming in, though. I kind of expected a few of them today. Ah, you don't know this town. The farmers will watch that sign until the shine's all off, <laughs> and then one of them will maybe have the courage to try the new doctor. Yeah, well, what am I going to do, just sit here and wait? Come over here, Martin. I'll show you what you're going to do. See this old box? No. Well, here's an auger I swiped from home. You're going to bore holes in that box just big enough to hold test tubes, and I'm rigging up an oven contraption for a sterilizer. You figured... All that out for me? No. Not for you. For an old man who believes in you. My first patient had an ulcerated tooth. I pulled it. The second had run a fish hook in his finger. I cauterized the wound. Both patients lived. I expected a stream of patients from then on. I even made a first installment on a Ford car. Then I was awakened one morning at three o'clock. Martin, Martin, wake up. Quick, it's the telephone. All right, just a second. 
Hello. Hello? Yes, this is the doctor speaking. Henry Novak? Leopolis Road. Yeah. See, since last night? All right, I'll drive right over. Novak. Doctor, come in. Yes, yeah. <clears throat> that's right. This way, Doctor. The little one is breathing Man, bad. Man, I'll call Novak quickly. Yeah, baby. Baby, open your mouth. That's a good girl. Give me your hand. Here's water, Doctor. All right. How is she? Come over here, Novak. Child's pretty sick. Looks like diphtheria. Brought some antitoxin well injected. So any chance. Yes, Doctor. She very sick. I'm afraid so. Give me some hot clothes, towels, napkins, anything. This room ought to be moist to keep water boiling on that stove. All right, Doctor. I do everything you say. Just so you save yeah, her. There now. We'll inject. Towel. Towel. Here's some towels, Doctor. I'll wrap her up. Lift that side. This way. Doctor. Yep. Yes, what? Doctor. What's wrong? Doctor, she's so still suddenly. Doctor! Leora. Leora, it was my fault. Martin, don't. I should have operated. I, I should have operated. She'd be all right now. Operate. You did the wrong thing. You did all you could, Martin. Probably all anyone could do. They called you too late that time. I'll never practice medicine again. I'll never... Stop saying those things. It'll be different in the morning. Oh, it's no use. I'm through. I'm no good. I can't oh, face people in this town when they know about it. Through. Martin. I'm through. Martin, listen to me. Do you really think you're the only doctor that ever lost a patient? You did your best. Now get some sleep, Martin. Well, I did get over it. In a couple of years, I built up a pretty fair practice at Wheatsylvania. I became a director of Bert Tozer's bank. It was a good life, in a way. In the summer, Leora and I drove over to Pony River for picnic suppers and for swimming. In autumn, there was duck hunting. The winter sleigh rides and socials. Then one day, my fourth year there, Sundalius, the great scientist and plague fighter, came to Minneapolis to lecture, and I made the 60-mile trip to hear him. After the lecture, I waited to talk to him. There were things I wanted to ask him. He invited me to a beer garden. How did he like my lecture? Well, they liked it fine, Dr. Sundarius. Oh, it's so hot tonight. I've been lecturing nine times a week. Des Moines, for George, La Crosse, Elgin, and... Oh, I forget. Was it all right, really? Oh, honestly, I've... I've never enjoyed anything so much in my life. Harris Smith, they hated my lecture. But you make me feel like a prophet. Come, have another drink. All right. As a hygienist, I wore on alcohol. In excessive quantities, it's almost as bad as ice cream soda. <laughs> But as one is fond of talking, I find a nice long glass of lager, a great solvent for human idiocy. I remember that. Now then, my friend, what do you wish to know? I'll tell you, Doctor, I'd like you to tell me, they have city health bureaus in Europe. They do. They are only less ineffectual than our own. See that girl at the table over there? Yes. Well, what about it? What ankles? What shoulders? And... Ah, this is good beer, Alice Smith. Have some more. Ah, <laughs> lecturing. Such nonsense. I would give it up. I'm wearing dress clothes on a night like this, too. Doctor... Do you know Dr. Gottlieb? Gottlieb? I should say I know him. He is now at the Institute of McGurk. 
Gottlieb has done some great experiments. Great. Gottlieb would not sit here bawling like me, no. Gottlieb sits home and works. Makes me look like a circus clown. He shows me what a fool I am. He is the spirit of science. He is the leader in our fight to push diseases off the earth. He wanted me to work with him once. Yeah, I guess that's what I should have done. Not just tinkered a lot of worn-out bodies. Someday, my dear young fellow, instead of peddling pills, maybe you will follow me or Gottlieb. It is one and the same. We scientists, we must work together to make a new world. Good world for men to live in. Hey, waiter! Bring another beer! That winter... I did some experiments on the relation of the Mollison production to the age of culture. My findings were published in the Journal of Infectious Diseases, and then things began to change for me in Wheatsylvania. An epidemic of blackleg broke out among the cattle in Crimson County, and the state veterinarian had been called, but the disease was spreading. With Leora's help, I made a new vaccine in my homemade lab. I injected cattle without charge, and the disease stopped. The veterinary sent in a complaint to the State Board of Health reporting my interference, and then I... I discovered that a farmer's wife was a typhoid carrier in a section where the disease was prevalent. I demanded that she be quarantined, and the community rose up in arms about it. A meeting was held demanding my removal, but the quarantine was enforced, and the typhoid, of course, disappeared. Then I made the mistake that finished me in Wheatsylvania. Two farmers' children fell ill. I diagnosed their cases as smallpox and demanded several vaccinations throughout the county. Cases turned out to be chicken pox. After that, life became impossible. In August, the R and I went to the county fair, I remember. On the fairgrounds, I seemed to cause more interest among the farmers Hi, than Doc. any of the exhibits. Hey, Doc! Come on over and see my melon! get out. Nothing more I can do here. Take years before they trust me again. I'm glad, Martin. You're too good for them here. I've learned a little something here, even if I failed. I... Yeah, I guess I don't know how to handle people, that's all. I could stick it on. I would. Except that life's short, and I think I'm a good worker in some ways. Gottlieb sort. Maybe I'll still get a chance. Where do we go, Martin? I have the slightest idea. Where I can be useful. Gee, it's fierce being married. Here I expected to be a pillar of the community. Now I have to follow you out on the road and be a hobo. Well, I'm too lazy to look up a new husband. Martin. Yeah? Remember that oath Dr. Gottlieb gave you? The first night we were together, you told it to me. Say it again, Martin. No. All right, I'll try. I don't know if I can remember it. Tina. God give me unclouded eyes and freedom from hate 
God give me quiet and relentless anger against all pretense and all pretentious work and all work left slack and unfinished. God give me a restlessness whereby I may neither sleep nor accept praise till my observed results equal my calculated results or in pious glee I discover and assault my error. God give me strength not to trust in God. You are listening to the Campbell Playhouse presentation of Aerosmith, starring Helen Hayes and Orson Welles. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. In a moment or two, we will resume our presentation of Aerosmith by Sinclair Lewis, starring Helen Hayes and Orson Welles. This is a play about doctors, and the doctor is one servant of humanity we all know and respect, and in our varying ways, appreciate. Of course, Dr. Aerosmith is a research man... And the doctor you and I know best is a general practitioner, a family doctor. But both of them work for the greater health and happiness of humanity, one in his laboratory, the other right here in our homes. The family doctor keeps a vigilant eye on the welfare of our children, advises us on their sleep and exercise and their diet. Most doctors, for instance, agree that every boy or girl should have at least a quart of milk each day. In this connection, I'd like to tell you of a pleasant and practical way to give your children more milk. Have cream soup frequently. Nearly every youngster is fond of soup, especially such favorites as Campbell's tomato, or pea, or celery, or asparagus. Simply make them extra nourishing by adding good wholesome milk instead of water. I'm sure it'll do your heart good to see how children go for any of them, because you know they are getting the good food value of soup and the high nutritional benefits of milk. Let me repeat the soups I mentioned before. Campbell's tomato soup, Campbell's pea soup, Campbell's celery soup, Campbell's asparagus soup. I wish I had the time to describe each of them to you, but I urge you to serve them and find out for yourself how good they are. And remember, when combined with milk, each of them becomes still more nourishing. And now we resume our Campbell Playhouse presentation of Aerosmith, Starring Helen Hayes and Orson Welles. Through Dr. Gottlieb, I got a position at the McGurk Institute in New York. My laboratory there was the finest I'd ever seen. I had a trained assistant. I had all the apparatus known to research. And in the midst of all this white-tiled scientific splendor... Dr. Gottlieb was waiting for me. Martin. Oh, Dr. Gottlieb. Oh, Martin, this is very good. You, you are near to me. My laboratory is just three doors down the you hall. You know how grateful I am to you, Dr. Oh, Gottlieb. Oh, gratitude, Pa. Um, how, how is that girl you married? Oh, she, she's fine, Doctor. I have an idea she's good for you, that little girl. Yeah, she make you work. Look here, Dr. Gottlieb. Do you really think I know enough to work here? I want terribly to succeed. Uh, succeed? I have heard that word. Um, uh, it is English. Oh, yeah. It is a word that little 
schoolboys use at the University of uh, Winnemac. It means passing examinations. But, Martin, let us be clear. You know something of laboratory technique. You have heard about these bacilli. You are not a good chemist, and mathematics, fully most terrible. But uh, you have curiosity, and you are stubborn. Therefore, I think you will either make a very good scientist or a very bad one. Uh, this is your chance to find out, Arrowsmith. I went to work that year trying to produce a more effective antitoxin, a treatment of tropical diseases. I fumbled at first. I made vast experiments with no results. I tried again. Day after day, week after week. Once, for a few hours, I thought I'd found something. Martin, you're home early. Yeah, I guess I am. I'm just up already, but I'll make it right away. You probably want to get back in a hurry, huh? No, I'm not going back to lab. Not tonight, Leora. Tell you what, let's go out to dinner in the movies or something, huh? Martin, what's the matter? Do you suddenly feel that you have to entertain me? I didn't want to go back to the lab. I don't know if I ever want to go back. Well, Martin, you're experimenting. Today I thought I'd made some progress. I took my notes to Dr. Gottlieb. He showed me my mistake. You're I'm tired out. In eight months here at McGurk, I've done nothing. I haven't been worth my keep. Has the director said anything no. to you? No. Has Dr. Gottlieb? No, they're all kind and patient. But Leora, they... They expect me to accomplish something. But you have, Martin. You're antitoxin. You've almost got it. Yes, almost. But you can't inoculate people with a serum that's almost right. I can't just go on forever experimenting and failing every time. I'm beginning to think I've got the habit of failing. Martin, listen to me. You put that coat back on. What? I'm not cooking supper tonight, and I'm not going out to eat with you. You'll go right back to that lab and keep trailing after those little bugs. And you're going to forget about me like you usually do. And when you come home at midnight, there'll be a plate of sandwiches on the table here. And then if you've been real good, you can go to bed. Now go on. Put on your coat. It was that night I noticed a curious thing almost under my eyes. A flask of cloudy bacteria suddenly cleared. Some unknown organism had destroyed the germs in my culture. So I spent five days and five nights in the lab. And the aura slipped in with sandwiches and coffee and then slipped out again unnoticed. And on the evening of the fifth day, I isolated the germ killers. I called it the X principle. I went out, got drunk. Then I slept for two days. The third day, I went back to the McGurk Institute. There was a message from Dr. Gottlieb to go and see him. Well... Martin, I have something I must say to you. Uh, Mr. McGurk has talked to me. He has heard of this discovery of yours, this uh, ex-principal. He's very happy. He wishes to establish you here, a, uh, for you a new department of pathology with you as head. What shall I do, Dr. Gartlin? Shall I accept? Uh, no, Martin, I don't think you will. Why not? Shouldn't I? Something... Sort of bad, uh, well, perhaps not altogether bad, has happened. Bad? Well, what is it? Oh, in a way, it is a pity, Martin, what I have to tell you. You are not the discoverer of the ex-principal. What? Someone else has done it. They have not. I've searched all literature, and except for Bernstein, not one person has even... Good Lord, Dr. God, it mean that... All I've done all these months has just been wasted, I... Oh, and I'm a fool. Well, anyway, Dubois of the Pasteur Institute has just you now... 
published in the Congrandu, this report, is your ex-principal absolute. Only he calls it bacteriophage. Um, Hard maybe I ought to care, but... Of course, you could claim to be co-discoverer and spend the rest of your life fighting to get recognized, or you could forget it and write a nice letter congratulating Dubois and go back to work. I'll go back to work. Nothing else to do. I guess uh, McGurk will chuck the new department now. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt. I have time to finish my research. Maybe I get some points that Dubois hasn't hit on. I'll publish it to corroborate him. Give me the report, Doctor. I suppose. I suppose now you're glad that I'm saved from being a success. Well, I ought to be. It is a sin against my religion that I am not. But I am getting old, and you are my friend. I am sorry that you are not to have the fun of being pretentious and successful for a while. Martin, it is nice that you will cooperate, Dubois. That is science. To work and not to care too much if somebody else gets the credit. So now I threw myself into the task of making a serum to combat all kinds of diseases. I immunized rabbits against pneumonia and found that the immunity spread to other rabbits. Then I injected rats with deadly bubonic germs and produced an immunity to the plague. And my lab became known as the pest house. I practically lived in it. Then one day, a visitor came to the Institute. What? Sundalius. How are you, my boy? I haven't seen you since... Oh, that night we drank so much lager, huh? Yeah. I remember. I had to carry you to the hotel. Well, Doctor, I had a notion it was the other way around. Yeah? Uh, yeah. No matter. We help each other, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, what did I tell you, Alice? You belong in such a place as this, chasing diseases off the earth. You tell me you've made a fine serum. I'm still making it. Mm. How would you like me to help you, Martin? You mean... Oh, no, no. Not here in the laboratory. In the big laboratory, the world. The place where we fight the plague like bubonic. It's now in the island of St. Hubert. Soon it may spread through the West Indies. From there, who knows? Thanks, Sunday. I have to finish my experiment. I'm still not sure of my serum. Maybe later... Oh, Martin, listen to me. You can be sure of your serum only one way, by testing it. I know, but... Not on guinea pigs, on human beings. My boy... Come with Sunday, Mr. St. Hubert. I couldn't promise. I'd have to speak to Dr. Gottlieb, Mr. McGurk. I have spoken to them already. Yeah, we've been plotting against you. My boat leaves day after tomorrow. Martin, we'll have such good fun. And maybe we wipe out old devil bubonic. Huh? I'm going with you, Martin. No, Leora, you're not going with me. Well, I am. It's not safe, Leora. Billy, of course it is. You can shoot your old serum into me, and then I'll be absolutely all right. Oh, I have a husband who cures things I have. I'm going to blow in a lot of money on thin dresses, though I bet St. Hubert isn't one bit hotter than Dakota on an August listen, day. Listen, Leora, darling, listen. I do think the serum will immunize against the plague. You bet I'll be mighty well injected with it myself, but I don't know. Even if it were practically perfect, there'd always be some people who wouldn't protect her. You simply can't go, sweet. Martin, don't you know I haven't any life outside of you? I might have had, but honestly, I've been glad to let you absorb me. I'm I'm lazy and useless and ignorant, except as maybe I can keep you comfortable. If you were off there, and I didn't know you were all right, or if you died and somebody else cared for your body that I've loved so, I'd go mad. I mean it. Can't you see I mean it? I'd go mad. It's just... I'm you, and I've got to be with you. 
And I will help you, make you serum and everything. You know how often I've helped you. And maybe in St. Hubert, maybe you wouldn't find anybody that could help you, even my little bit. I'll cook and everything. Darling, don't make it harder for me. It's, it's going to be hard enough in any case. Martin, don't you dare use those old stuck-up expressions that husbands have been drooling out to wives forever and ever. I'm not a wife, any more than you're a husband. Oh, you're a rotten husband. You neglect me, absolutely. The only time you know what I've got on is, 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 is when some button slips and then you ball me out. But I don't care. I'd rather have you than, than a good husband. And, and... Besides, I'm going. Dr. Gottlieb. Yeah, yeah? Who, who is it? It's me, Dr. Gottlieb. I've come to... Say goodbye. Goodbye? Yeah. Oh, that has such a final sound. But perhaps you are right. Perhaps we don't see each other again. Eric Smith, I am growing old and I have my worries. You are a man and you are a genuine worker now. But uh, don't mind if I give you some advice. Dr. Gottlieb, no, I don't. Be sure you don't let anything, yeah. not even your own kind heart, spoil your experiment at St. Hubert. Remember to use the serum with only half your patients and keep the others as controls under normal hygienic conditions, but without the serum. Pay no attention to what Sandelia says. He is a great man, but he is not a scientist. So many men, Martin, are kind and neighborly. So few have added to knowledge. You have the chance. You may be the man that ends all plague. You must have pity, but not for those you see dying. You must have pity for generation after generation yet to come. That is your work, Martin. And whatever God there is, may he bless you. I promise to do what you say, Doctor. Yeah, maybe old Gottlieb will have help too, maybe. Leora and I sailed the next day from Hoboken. Very late one night, ten days later, our ship dropped anchor in the harbor of St. Hubert. The island was quarantined, so no one was taken on board. Sondalius, Leora, and I stood alone on the deck. On shore, we spied a few lights. One appeared to be moving toward us, but most of the town was dark, dark and still. Doctor? No, not exactly. I'm Dr. Stokes in St. Swithin Parish. We're all of us, almost everything nowadays. The port doctor died a couple of days ago. How many bubonic cases you got now? Lord knows. Maybe a thousand. Ten million rats. So sleepy. Well, we better be going ashore. Here, I'll help you with your bags. Listen, Leora. You better stay on the ship. You better not come. Please don't. Not come? And me, the secretary and technical assistant of the McGurk Commission? Oh. Martin. Yes, darling. Gosh, I'm scared blue. The next morning, we awoke in a bungalow at the edge of the town. 
court doctor had lived there, but he went out one morning and never came back. After breakfast, we walked down a silent street. House shutters were closed. There was a crying woman and a bewildered child. I remember following an open wagon on which were heaped a dozen stiff bodies. That afternoon, I started to inject, as Gottlieb had instructed me, every other man. Sandalius strapped his wrists, put on high boots, and made ready for his rat crusade. Today, my friends, I'm Sandalius, Captain General of Rat Killers. If there were no rats, there'd be no bugs carrying bubonic. But I fix them. Good. I just walk into a place and the rats say, here's that old Uncle Gustav. Well, what's the use? <laughs> and they turn up their toes and die. <laughs> well, goodbye. Hey, Gustav. Yeah? What is it? You're not going out, Gustav, until you've had an injection of germ. Come on over here. No, Martin. Not until you give up your experiment. Promise to inject all of these people. Every one of them. I know what Gottlieb told you. Refuse to inoculate part of the people, use them for controls for guinea pigs. Pay no attention to that wild man, Sundalis. He's no scientist. I say to Gottlieb, humanity is more important than science. Science is for humanity, Gustav, for all humanity, not just these people here. Please, Sundalis, do as Martin says. No, Leora. I'll do anything for you, but not that. Well, goodbye, children. I now go out to fight the rats. I shall break all the laws of property. I shall set fire to warehouses. I shall even burn villages. I shall drive out the rats from their hiding places. Then I shall have my fun. I shall slaughter rats with clubs. I shoot them with guns, poison them with gas. And then when I come back, we drink and we celebrate. A week later, we found Sundalius. He was lying on the ground. His eyes bloodshot. Yeah. We had a fine time with the rats here, Caleb. Yeah, you like my new village. Gustav, what's the trouble? Huh? Your eyes, you have a fever. I think it's got me. Some flea got me. Flea from one of those rats. I was just thinking I'll go and quarantine myself. Yeah, I fever, all right. Lord Martin, I'm so weak. Not scared, no. I'm going to take you home, Gustav. No mercy. On no. I have isolated so many of my ten. Martin, that leap is right about these jests of the gods. The best one is the tropics. Gods planned them so beautifully. Flowers and sea and mountains. They made the fruit to grow so well that man need not work. And then they laughed and stuck in volcanoes and snakes and damp heat and the plague. The nastiest trick they ever played on man was inventing the flea. Better save your strength, Gustav. We'll pull you through. I'm going to give you a serum right now. This time you can't stop Martin. me. Do not try to fool me. It's too late for serum, too late for anything. I'm not afraid to die, Martin, but once more I'd like to see Stockholm and Fifth Avenue on the day the first snow falls. And Holy Week at Sevilla and one good last drunk, eh? I'm very peaceful, Martin. It hurts some, but life was a good game. Martin. Give these poor people a serum. Save all of them. Come on, Martin. Do as I say. Sundalius became delirious. Early next morning, he died. From that day, I injected everybody who wanted my serum. I threw away my notes. I injected as fast as I could, day and night. The plague gradually diminished, and the first boat was scheduled to clear quarantine in a few days. 
My work is almost over. We watched the ship dock from the porch of our bungalow. Martin, Dr. Stokes was here today. Was he? Yes, there are some new cases at St. Swithin's. He believes it's spreading up there. I'll leave him a supply of serum before we go. Go? When are we going? The Oro. Done all we could in St. Hubert. Yes. We've done everything but... but what we came down here to do. Oh, please, dear, don't bring that up again. Please, I... You know I couldn't after. You know why. And what are you going to tell Dr. Gottlieb? That you failed him? That's true, isn't it? The fact that the plague diminished as soon as I began injecting the serum proves... Proves nothing, Martin. You know that. Perhaps the epidemic stopped of its own accord. You don't know. And you'll never know until you go through with the experiment. And your last chance is sent Swithin. Darling, let me go with you. Let me help with the injection. And keeping your notes. Please, Martin. Let's finish our job. I have this place ready for you, Doctor. All right. Freeze and keep the sun off you. There's a line of natives a quarter of a mile long. All right, Stokes, let's begin. Leora, soap and alcohol. The right arms. Yes, Martin. Stokes, get your troop in a circle around the grove. We may need them. Keep two lit. One that I inject, one that I don't. Right, Doctor. Sergeants, you write the names down as I call them out. Yes, sir. I'm ready. Come on. Move up one at a time. Every other one here. Every other one on that side. Your right arm there. Now the doctor... That's it. No, still. Oh! There you are. Maybe. Hope so. Move on. John Blamus. Take it down, Sergeant. John Blamus. Hold back. Don't crawl. No changing faces. Just a drawer. Get your way, Dr. Stokes. Obey orders. Back there. I'll shoot the first man who gets out alive. Now move up one at a time. All right, that's all for now. Come back in an hour after lunch. Leora. Leora, what's the matter? Nothing, darling. Just a little tired, I guess. No wonder, you poor kid. I'm going to take you home and put you to bed. You'll do no such thing. You're going to finish your experiment. One more day and you work safe. Nothing's going to stop you now. Well, I'll have Stokes take you down the bungalow. Nonsense. You'll need him here. I know my way. What's there to be afraid of? Darling, you're not afraid of anything. Yes, one thing, Martin. I'd be afraid if anything happened to this experiment. It's so near. And it's our big chance, darling. It's everything we've been working towards. It's our whole lives. Well, I'll be going now. I'll come down to the house as soon as I finish. Oh. Oh, uh, just one thing, Martin. I forgot my second shot of serum yesterday. Get out your needle, Doctor. All right. Darling, give me your arm. I love your arm. There. I love you, Martin. And thanks for bringing me here. Thanks for... Well, for everything. You're thanking me. Oh, darling. But you don't know what it means for someone like me who doesn't amount to so much getting a chance to be with somebody who does. Oh, Martin, I'm so proud of you and what you've done. Darling, if there's anything we've accomplished here or anywhere, it's not mine or yours. It's ours together. Say, why are we talking this way to each other? Leora, nothing wrong. Of course not. It was silly talk, wasn't it? But I wouldn't have missed it. 
I wouldn't have missed anything, Martin. Not anything in our whole life. That night, I injected the last native, collected my notes, and Stokes drove me back to the bungalow. On the bed, across the folds of torn mosquito netting, I found Leora's body, very frail and very still. I talked to her. I told her everything. I... I don't know what... what I said. And that evening I dug a deep pit in the garden and carried her there. A high and windy garden looking toward the sea. I don't remember how I left the island, how I got back to New York, how my notes got published, how I got started working again. I don't remember. And now... I'm standing in this great hall, and I have a scroll of parchment in my hand. I know that the world has just honored my work, and that this is the loneliest day of my life. have just been listening to the Campbell Playhouse production of Aerosmith, starring Helen Hayes and Orson Welles. And here he is, Orson Welles. Ladies and gentlemen, the road, the road, which is what actors call the theater outside of New York, has had its ups and downs, as you know. The last two years, during which Miss Hayes has brought her wonderful performances, Victoria and Victoria Regina, to 45 cities all over the nation must definitely be called an up. Miss Hayes concluded her engagement in Victoria only last Saturday, after making theatrical history. Oh, thank you, Orson. Very great honor to have her with us tonight, and I'd like you to meet her. And, Helen, I'm sure that everyone in the theater and everyone who goes to the theater is curious about your plans for the future. What are you going to do next? I'm going to take a darn good rest. <laughs> with your permission... Miss Hayes, I'll tell our audience what a rest means to you. It means, ladies and gentlemen, going back to being Mrs. Charles MacArthur, taking care of two children and a house overlooking the Hudson River at Nyack, New York, and, of course, overseeing the family farm in the hills a few miles away. And Miss Hayes, am I correctly informed that the MacArthur family even goes so far as to grow its own milk? Mm-hmm. We do have four jerseys. And we hope that by economy and careful management, we can eventually get the cost of our milk down to a dollar a quart. I hope you do, Mrs. MacArthur. And I hope even more that Helen Hayes will very soon be back with another play as fine as Victoria Regina. And in behalf of my sponsors, the makers of Campbell Soups, and all of us in the Campbell Playhouse, I want to thank you for coming here tonight. Makers of Campbell Soup present the Campbell Playhouse. Orson Welles, producer.
good evening. This is Orson Welles. Our offering this evening, It Happened One Night, is already a motion picture classic. Despite its tender years, it was born in 1934, shrewdly concerned with the oldest, in fact, the eternal subject, the way of a man with a maid, this time against the vigorous background of life among the quality and the not-so-quality of the Atlantic seaboard. It's been a favorite attraction among moviegoers everywhere since Mr. Frank Capra and the Columbia Pictures Corporation first blessed us all with it. Our guest stars might well have been tailored for the celebrated parts of Peter and Ellie. Mr. William Powell surely needs no alteration at all. Be the charming, happy-go-lucky newspaper man whom fate threw together on that now historic bus ride with a spoiled and spirited heiress certainly never more faultlessly imagined than tonight by Miss Miriam Hopkins. But first, before the madcap doings of this night begin to sweep us along at their own breakneck pace, Ernest Chappell suggests that we do a little posing, Mr. Chappell. Thank you, Orson Welles. And ladies and gentlemen, it's simply this. Suppose you had never tasted Campbell's tomato soup. Suppose you'd never had a sunny bowl of it beckon you with its welcoming color and with its tempting aroma. Suppose you'd never drawn your chair up to the table, lifted your spoon, and learned with that first smooth sip how its lively tomato flavor could wake up your appetite. And suppose you still had to try this soup that almost everyone likes best, Campbell's tomato soup, and still had to discover how it glorifies the flavor of fine tomatoes in a way all its own. Well, surely then you'd have a treat in store for you now, wouldn't you? <laughs> but enough of supposing, it's likely you already know Campbell's tomato soup. Know how it can literally make a meal. How it can put delight in a simple lunch or family supper. Or pleasantly begin a dinner. You've probably had it often, and I hope you've had it lately. Because this season's crop of tomatoes was exceptionally luscious. And you'll enjoy their superb flavor now in Campbell's tomato soup. Now, wouldn't fragrant platefuls contribute to the enjoyment of your dinner? Perhaps tomorrow night? And now, Orson Welles. And now, William Powell and Miss Miriam Hopkins in It Happened One Night. I beg pardon, Mr. Andrews. What is it now, Captain? It's your daughter, sir. She won't very eat. Very well, she won't eat. But it's not very well, Mr. Andrews. Doesn't need to eat. You see, I'm uh, practically face-to-face -face with a mutiny. A mutiny? Yes. For the last 40 hours, I've had her food taken into her stateroom by three different stewards, the chef, the assistant chef, several busboys, and while it's not exactly nautical, this morning the first mate and the second mate both tried. Well, Mr. Andrews, sir, I don't like to burden you with details, sir, but she hit the first mate in the eye with a coffee cup. She rubbed a cheese omelet in one steward's hair. She threw a bowl of hot soup at... A bowl of hot soup. She'll eat when she gets hungry. I threatened to put my men in irons. And they say they prefer that. Get another tray ready. I'll take it in. It's dangerous business, Mr. Andrews. Kidnapping is no child's play. My daughter will realize before I'm through that I'm no child. Stuart, if that's another tray, I'll wrap it around your ears. Oh, so it's you. Pardon my bursting in like this, Lady Ellie. I didn't have time to phone your secretary for an appointment. Don't be sarcastic. It won't help you any. I'm not going to eat. Not until you let me off this boat. Well, uh, 
And you can't get away with that kidnapping. A bunch of gorillas shoving me in a car. That crowd outside, the justice of the peace. They must have thought I was a criminal. Now, the way your men were... You're being unfair. I had one fellow that did nothing but explain to everybody that you were a harmless lunatic who would escape from an asylum. What? Nobody thought you were a criminal at all. If anybody wanted particulars, my man told him you had delusions. You were Mary Antoinette. Oh. I couldn't do better than that for you, could I? Where do you think you're taking me on this yacht, Father? Here and there, South America, to start with. South America? Yes, my child, South America. Both sides of South America. You remember the map? One side is painted yellow and the other side green and brown. After you've seen the yellow, from the yacht, that is, because you won't be allowed to land, you'll get a nice change to the green and brown. And then... You'll I... have a corpse on your hands. That's what you'll have. We're leaving Miami in an hour as soon as we get some supplies aboard. I won't eat a thing while I'm on this boat. In that event, we won't need so many supplies. What do you expect to accomplish by all this? I'm already married. I'll get it annulled if it takes every penny I've got. Well, what have you got against King West? Nothing much. I, I just think he's a fake, that's all. He's one of the best flyers in this country. Right now, he's planning to break the round-the-world record. Now, who's going to finance him? Let me guess. You. Well, he's no good, and you know it. You married him only because I told you not to, and that's why you're not eating, Ellie. Because I've been sending food to you. Well, you're a fool not to eat this filet mignon before it gets cold. Look, Ellie, just touch it with a knife, and it melts. Well, if I give in now, will you give me a chance to prove later that you're wrong? Well, I always give people a chance to prove anything that they can prove. You know that, okay. Ellie. Okay. You've won. Get my robe from the closet, will you? All right, I will. Now, I'll tell you what, Ellie. You give me your words. You won't try any funny business. We'll go ashore tonight and have a nice dinner at the Everglades. Hey, Ellie. Ellie, let me up. Not a chance. And quit rattling that knob. I've just locked the door. You can't get away with it, Jimmy. I have gotten away with it. All right, Ellie. I've got the key to the stateroom in my pocket. You can't get out till you let me out of this closet. Ellie, you hear me? I heard you. I was just wondering how... I've got it. What? In case you've forgotten, there's a porthole right here. Porthole? Ellie, you wouldn't. I certainly would. Ellie, yeah. keep away from that porthole. If you hear a splash, don't worry. You always splash when you die. You're crazy. You can't do it. Ellie, I order you not to. Anybody think he can order me? Bye, Pop. Hello, operator. I want to send a straight wire. Lovington Detective Agency, New York. Watch all roads, air transports, and railway stations out of Miami. Keep close tabs on King Wesley. Intercept all messages. Hellcat just escaped. Huh? What do you mean you can't transmit the word Hellcat? Okay, make it my loving daughter, Ellie. Must leave it in ten minutes. Must leave it for Jacksonville, Charleston, Richmond, Washington, Philadelphia, and New York. Passengers will please display their tickets. Here I am, boy, right back at this post. Oh, here's the ticket you asked me to buy you, lady. Thank you very much. You can keep the change. Oh, thank you, lady. Thank you. What'd you say? What's, what's going on over there? Well, over there, where uh, uh, some gentleman's calling somebody long distance, and his pals cheering him on. Yes, well, that's clear from here. They, they've been drinking, if you ask me. Yes. 
Charleston, Richmond, Washington, Philadelphia, and New York.
He got away, like I told you. Oh, but it can't be. Everything I had was in it. My clothes and my money. Well, you've still got your purse. Your ticket must be in that. Well, my ticket and $4 in cash. Well, that's what I've got to get to New York on. You can wire for more money when we get to Jacksonville. Oh, but I can't. You see, I... Yes, I guess I will. I'll report it to the driver. About your bag, I mean. No, I'd rather you didn't. Don't be a fool. You lost your bag. Company will make good. I'll report it for you. I don't want it reported. And please be good enough to stay out of my private affairs. Hey, you got the whole thing wrong, lady. The fellow that stole the bag is in your private affairs. I just tried to get them back. Hello. You can sit here if you want to. No, thank you. There's a seat back there, next to a gentleman. Next to a what? Oh, all right. Find out your mistake for yourself. Nothing can be a mistake from now on. Pardon me. Is it Shapley? Why, sure. Sure, sit down, sister. Thank you. My name's Shapley. Shapley is as Shapley does, I always say. <laughs> get it? I said, get it? Oh, yes, I get it. And uh, let me tell you, sister, you made no mistake sitting next to me. You know, you got to be awful careful on these buses who you hit it up with. Well, I remember once when I was coming through North Carolina, I, <laughs> I got together with a good-looking dame just like you. Well, sir, I was just starting to make time with her when she got yanked off the bus. And who do you think she was? I said, who do you think she was? Your grandmother. Oh, you're kidding, huh? Yeah. Well, sir, she was a girl bandit. The one the papers have been writing about. What do you know about that? I said, what do you know about that? Nothing. Well, what's the matter, sister? You ain't saying much. Seems to me you're doing all right without any assistance. Oh, right there with the answers, huh? Oh, only don't think I'm sore, because I'm not. Matter of fact, you're my type. I could go for you in a big way. Believe you me. Well, believe you me, you bore me to distraction. Kidding, huh? No. Ah, uh, beg pardon, mister. Yeah? There's a seat in the back of the bus for you. What's the idea? I'd like to sit with my wife, if you don't mind. What? Did you say wife? Yeah, on your way. Oh, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> I, I was just trying to make this... <laughs> If you promise not to snap my head off, I'd like to thank you. Forget it. I didn't do it to you. His voice is beginning to get on my nerves. Well, it's Pop Coin, Pop Coin, Fist, and Strawberry Bars. Here you are, folks. Candy Post Card, Cigarette Magazine. Here, boy. Get him. Give me that money. A dollar sixty for a box of candy and you with only four dollars. How do you expect to get to New York at the rate you're going? That's none of your business. You're on a budget from now on. I won't stand for it. I won't... Say, you are a spoiled brat, aren't you? Just the kind that would marry King Wesley. You're perfect. What? What was that? You and Wesley should make an ideal team. Oh, you must have me confused with someone else. I... Quit kidding. It was all over the front page at the last stop. Lucky for you, I got the only paper. Oh... Take my advice and grab the first bus back to Miami. I don't want your advice. I suppose you notified my father. What for? Oh, he'd be sure to give you some money for being such a bright boy. What a lovely mind you have. Oh, don't tell me you haven't already done it. I'm not that interested. You, King Wesley, your father, that's all a lot of hooey to me. Yes, sir. I want this telegram sent exactly as it is. Can you read? Joe Gordon, New York Evening Mail. Dear Birdbrain, thought you'd like to know the biggest story of the year. Just dropped into my hat. 
stop. I know where Ellen Andrews is. Stop. How would you like to have the story? Question mark. I thought so. Well, try and get it. Stop. And what I said about never writing another line for you still goes. No love, no kisses, no regard. Signed, Peter. Send up collect. Hey, folks! What? Huh? Attention, attention, now up! We just got word the road up ahead is so torn, we can't take a chance. We're gonna spend the night here. Now, if any of you passengers want to sleep in a bus, it's okay. Those that don't, there's an auto camp up the road a ways called the Twin Apple. I made all the arrangements. Here it is. Your hotel for the night, lady. The Twin Apples Auto Camp. Clean, self-respecting, wholesome, under new management. Good evening. I'm the new management. Good evening. I just put some more blankets in your place. I do hope you're going to like it, Mrs. Grant. Your husband said you're very fussy. Oh, but you got to excuse me. I got to see about the other people. My husband said. Yeah, that's me, always talking out of school. Allow me to open the door for you, my dear. If you'll precede me, my dear. Go on, you brat, get in there. Like it? Not much. I think it's beautiful. Two charming beds, a table, two chairs, an oil burner for cooking, all the compass to home. I'd like an explanation, please. I just had the unpleasant sensation of hearing you referred to as my husband. And I... That's right. I forgot to tell you I registered as Mrs., Mr., and Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. You don't think that I'll put up with that, do you? Hey, wait a minute. Let's get something straightened out right now. If you've got any idea that I'm interested in, you just forget it. What I've done is a matter of simple mathematics. These cabins cost two bucks a night. I'm very sorry to inform you, Mrs. of Mr. and Mrs., that our family purse won't stand for separate establishments. Well, I hope you don't expect me to stay here under the same roof. I don't expect you to do anything. I furnish you with a place to sleep. And if you don't like it, you can, well, you can spend the night someplace else. It's all right with me. My first impression of you wasn't far wrong. I know. A gentleman like... King Wesley would vacate and let you have the place for yourself. Well, I'm not King Wesley, thank heaven. What do you think you're doing now? Well, for your information, this is a clothesline I'm fastening to the wall. Now watch me closely. I have nothing to conceal, but the hand is quicker than the eye. I now put two extra blankets, one from each cot, over the clothesline. The room, you will observe, is now cut in half. We each have our own private little cubicle. I suppose that makes everything quite all right. Does for me. I like privacy when I retire. Prying eyes annoy me. You may or may not know, but at this moment, I'm in my undershirt. Thanks to the blanket, unseen by any eyes but mine. Are you implying that I... Never can tell about your kind. As long as we're on opposite side of the blanket. Uh, it's the walls of Jericho. That's what it is. Hey, you ever hear of the walls of Jericho? I know my Bible as well as you do. The Israelites were behind those walls, and Watch McCollum blew his trumpet, and the walls came down. It wasn't Watch McCollum, it was Who's It? But you've got the general idea. Joshua, that's who it was. Joshua and the trumpet. I'm all out of trumpets. Here's my other pair of pajamas for you. Catch. I got them. Now, listen, you're not really serious about all this, are you? I'm serious about getting undressed. But you like to know how a man undresses. No two men do it alike. I wouldn't know. Yeah, that's why I'm telling you. You know, I want you a chap who kept his hat on until he was completely undressed. Very comical effect. I doubt it. Years later, his secret came out. He wore a toupee. As a matter of fact, I have an idiosyncrasy all my own. My coat comes off first, and the... 
pride and the shirt. Then, uh, among the conservatives, the pants. But that's where I'm different. I go for the shoes next. You listening? Left shoe, right shoe. That's all. Sorry. Now, if I was a centipede... I get the idea. Did you have any uh, similar confessions to make? I'm very willing to listen. You've already taken off your coat, I'm sure. Now, uh, after that... After that? The blanket will keep my secret. I suppose so. What do you mean, you suppose so? You're absolutely right. The walls of Jericho will protect you from the big bad wolf. A night's rest will do you a lot of good. Hmm. I'm really tired. Do you mind if I sing? I generally sing myself to sleep. Wouldn't do me any good if I did mind, would it? No. Oh, if I had the wings of an angel. Say, you, you don't know how it goes on from there, do you? No. Oh. Well, that's a catch in my singing. That's the only line I know. Do you mind if I sing it again? Oh, if I had the wings of an angel. All finished. Well, if you want me to do it again, I don't mind. No, I caught the drift of it. Are you in bed now? Yes. Don't you sing? Not when there's nothing to sing about. Oh. By the way, who are you? Who am I? Why, I am the whippoorwill that cries in the night. I'm the soft morning breeze that caresses your lovely face. I'm the waiter with the water for your daughter. I'm the... Have you a name by any chance? Oh, my name? Peter Grant. Peter Grant. Hmm. I don't like it. Well, pleased to have met you, Mr. Grant. Pleasure's all mine. You know, I've been thinking about what a tough life you've had. Twice a missus and still unkissed. I can get along without your sympathy. I bet you're in an awful hurry to get back to New York, aren't you? Your first husband? I probably don't count. I say, I probably don't count. Hmm? Good night, Mr. Grant. Good night. Come on, wake up. Eight o'clock. Time to get up. Here, I got something for you. I'll throw it over the blanket. Catch. Oh, would you? Yeah. Been out shopping. Groceries, toilet goods, and uh, get up. Breakfast will be ready in no time. I'll have mine in bed. Hey, stop talking nonsense. Goldilocks, I'm going to count ten. If you're not out of bed by then, I'll come around that blanket and yank you out myself. If you dare. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Come out, I'm out. Good. You'll find the showers and, uh, things right back in the second cottage. Outside? Certainly outside. Uh, you just been brought up wrong. That's what the trouble with you. All the best homes have them outside. Hello, Slaughter. What makes you so disgustingly cheerful this morning? Yeah. Must be the spring. Mm, couldn't be the company. Oh, no, a chance. Look, Mr. Grant, what do you do? Or for a living, I mean. Nothing, if I can help it. Well, don't you work? Sometimes. What at? Whatever the least work. Don't tell me they have house detectives in auto camps. Come in! Mm -hmm. Your book leaves in five minutes, mister. Oh, thanks. 
Goldilocks, you know how to pack? Well, my maid, General. Uh, you're going to learn right now. Here's my bag. And to start with, you don't just throw Jen's pants in any which way. No. No. You fold them first. This is the Campbell Playhouse. Orson Welles, producer. You are listening to our presentation of It Happened One Night, starring William Powell and Miriam Hopkins. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Ernest Chapel, ladies and gentlemen, welcoming you back to the Campbell Playhouse. In just a moment, we shall resume our presentation of It Happened One Night. But in the meantime, this too happened one night at the supper table in a home perhaps not unlike your own. Listen. Dear, I, I've got a confession to make. This is not my own homemade soup. No. Tastes mighty good. We will have some more. It is good, isn't it? It's Campbell's. I just couldn't find time today to make soup, so I thought I'd try Campbell's just once. Well, dear, if I were you, I wouldn't stop at once. Let's try some more Campbell's soups. If they're all as good as this, there's not much need of your going to all the bother of making soup anymore. This is great. And that's what's been happening in homes everywhere, as one good home cook after another has tried Campbell's soups, compared them with her own, and realized they must have been made in the true home way, delicious, wholesome, and nourishing. And discovering how her family enjoy their fine flavor, she's given up making soup and turned her soup making over to Campbell's. So I'd like to invite you, if you haven't already done so, to let this happen one night in your home. Do that, and I believe you too will let Campbell's make your soups for you. Make them from then on. And now Orson Welles resumes our Campbell Playhouse presentation of It Happened One Night, starring Miriam Hopkins and William Powell. Deep, young fellow. There sure is. That storm made a mess out of these roasts, all right. Excuse me. What do you want, Shapeless? The name is Shapely. I want to talk to you. 
What about? Something personal, if you don't mind. I mind very much. I'll give you a minute. Let's go over and back of the bus. All right, what is it? I, uh... I thought you might want to look at a newspaper I bought the last time we stopped. This piece about the multimillionaire heiress they can't find. I, uh... I thought you uh, might want to look at it. Traveling like this, you know, you kind of lose track of what's going on in the world. Thanks. It says here they're offering a reward of $10,000 for her now. It'd be kind of sweet if a fellow could collect that. Well, 10,000 smackers are always sweet. You know what I'd do if I was to run across that dame? What? I'd go 50-50 with you. Oh, that's what's on your mind. $5,000 or I grab the works. I see. You know... I guess I was pretty lucky running into you. You're just the man I need. I can use a smart guy like you. Oh, well, I, I know my way around, I guess. There isn't anybody watching this, is there? No. You pack a gat? A what? A gat, a gat. Let me frisk you. Got any fireworks on you? What? No. Well, that's all right. I got a couple of machine guns in my suitcase. I'll let you have one of them. A machine gun? Yeah, expect to have a little trouble up north. May have to shoot it out at the cops. Sometimes the law gets stubborn, you know? Shoot it out to the cop? I'll talk to the killer. He'll take care of you. Good guy, the killer. The, the killer? Yeah. That's who I'm taking you to. The big boy himself. Hey, you... You're not kidnapped, are you? What do you think? We're not interested in that penny-handy reward, you and I. Ten thousand bucks. Chicken feed. We're... Holding her for a million smackers. And I say, look, I, I, I didn't know it was anything like this. See, I, uh... Well, you know now. You're in this thing with both feet and you're staying in. Get me? You know too much. Ever heard of Bugs Dooley? No. He looked something like you. But he was kind of talkative. You want to know what happened? He was found in the bottom of the river one day. A rock tied around his neck. In a bathtub full of cement. <laughs> Poor Bugs, he couldn't take it. Blew his brains out besides. Well, that's terrible. He had it coming to him. Yeah, oh, sure. Sure, but uh, don't you worry about me. I don't talk. I, I never talk. Okay. Only remember not to talk. Now beat it and stay away from that bus. Yes, sir. Start walking toward those woods. And remember, I got a rod in this pocket aimed right at the middle of your back. Yeah, I'll, I'll remember. Why? I think you better run. Yeah, sure. And everything's safe. <laughs> We've been walking nearly three hours. Oh, we should never have left the bus. Yes, we should. You can't tell who else besides Shapley bought that paper. Poor Mr. Shapley. The rate he started, he's probably crossed two straight li straight lines by now. But it's good exercise for him. Well, it's not good for me. I'm tired. All right, all right. We'll register at that haystack there. Maybe they got a suite with bath. I thought we were really going to find a place to sleep. That's it. Well, we're not going to sleep out here. I don't know about you, but that's what I'm going to do. Pick yourself a bed, like this. There's a lot of hay on the ground. Peter. What is it? I'm hungry. Just your imagination. No, it isn't. I'm hungry and scared. You can't be hungry and scared at the same time. If you're scared, it scares the hunger out of you. I'm sure you're right, but I'm still hungry. Hey, don't you ever think of anything except your stomach? Here, I'll fix you a bed. I'll fix my own bed. Peter, it's not very comfortable. If I lie flat on my back, then the hay gets in my side when I turn. That's easy. Stop turning. You're becoming terribly disagreeable lately. 
snap my head off every time I open my mouth. Now, don't open your mouth. If being with me is so disagreeable to you, you can leave. You can leave any time you see fit. Nobody's keeping you here. I can get along. I said, I can get along. Did you hear? I said, Peter. Peter! Peter! Oh, where are you? What's the matter? Oh, Peter. What got into you? Oh, Peter, I'm so scared. Well, you're not scared now, are you? No. Well, let go of me. Oh, excuse me. Just want to find you something to eat. Hope you like watermelon. Why didn't you tell me? Here, eat your head off. I don't want it now. You're enough to drive a guy crazy. Lie down and go to sleep. I'm not tired. Lie down. All right. And the trouble with you is you've always had your own way. That's why you're such a mess now. You attach importance to the wrong thing. Right now, there's only one thought in your mind to get back to King Wesley. That's not so. Don't interrupt me. Always chasing after something you think you want. Oh, you know, only you don't really want it. The truth is, you're running away. From yourself, mostly. The world's full of people like you. Don't know what they want. Do you know? Sure. What? I just want to be a little alone, that's all. Life's all right if you don't try too hard. After all, you can only eat three meals a day, only sleep in one bed. You sound like a hobo. I am. I only work when I have to. Doesn't sound very exciting. I'm not looking for excitement. That's your racket. You know a lot about me and my racket, don't you? I can read you like a book. Hmm. I'm just wasting my time. You're destined to be a dope the rest of your life. Good night. Good night and pleasant dreams. I say, pleasant dreams. I heard you. Pleasant dreams to you. Supposed to be doing hitchhiking. Well, you've given me a pretty good idea of the hiking, but when does the hitching come in? Ah, it's a little early yet. Right, the car's up. Well, if it's just the same to you, we'll wait right here till they come. All right. You've probably never walked further before than from your car to some cafe. Oh, Peter, there's a car. Gone. Certainly is. Well, what if nobody stops for? Well, they'll stop all right. Just a matter of knowing how to hail them. You're an expert, I suppose. The best in the world. No end to your accomplishments, is there? No end at all. <laughs> you see, a lot of people think they can get a ride by just holding out their hand. Well, that's wrong. It's all in the thumb. Unless you know how, you never get anywhere. Just a failure. But if you hang your thumb right, it's got to work. It depends on how you feel. There are different ways to do it. For instance, number one is a short jerky movement. Mm -hmm. That shows your independence. You don't care if they mm -hmm. stop or not because you got some money in your pocket, see? Oh, you're wonderful. And number two is a, a wider movement in the direction you want to go. A smile goes with this one. That means you got a couple of brand new stories about the farmer's daughter. You're a genius. That's what you oh, are. Oh, that's nothing. Oh. Now, you take number three. That's the real thing. That's the pathetic one when you're broke and hungry and everything looks black. That's a long movement. It starts about a foot outside on your, your shoulder and then over to the other shoulder with a follow-through. Amazing, that's what it is. Amazing. But you, you've got to have a drooping chin. Oh, well, you can't have everything. Here comes the car. Just, just watch me. Keep your eye on my thumb. I'm still watching your thumb. Yeah, something must have gone wrong. I guess I'll try number two. When you get up to 100, wake me up. your thumb. Maybe if you stood on your head. Shut up. You mind if I try? You? 
Oh, you're such a smart aleck. Nobody can do anything but you. That's right. Well, I'll show you how to stop a car. No, you haven't got a chance. You think so? Well, we'll see. What are you going to do? Well, I'm not going to use my thumb. If you want to know... Hey, drop that skirt. You don't understand. That's what I'm using for a thumb. You want a lift, uh, folks? Oh, thank you, mister. Why didn't you take all your clothes off? You could have stopped 40 cars. We didn't need 40 cars. Well, here's another auto camp. A new home, Goldilocks. In you go. Well, here we are on the last lap. Yes, here we are. Tomorrow morning, you'll be back with your father and... Wesley. Yes. Tomorrow morning. What are you doing? I'm putting some tacks in the wall for the... For the walls of Jericho? Yep. Walls of Jericho. Give me that blanket, will you? Mm-hmm. Here it is. Thanks. <laughs> you certainly outsmarted your father. You ought to be very happy. Yes. I ought to be very happy. Here's some pajamas for you. Thanks. While I'm thinking of it, am I going to see you in New York? No. Why not? I don't make a policy of running around with married women. Oh, there's no harm in coming to see us. Not interested. Won't I ever see you again? What do you want to see me for? I've served my purpose. I brought you and Wesley together, didn't I? That's what you wanted, wasn't it? Peter, have you ever been in love? Now, come to think of it, I've probably done the world a great favor. Got two pinheads out of circulation. Haven't you ever wanted to fall in love? Uh, me? Well, there's no one else on the other side of the blanket, is there? Oh, me? Yes. Well, I've thought about it. Who hasn't? If I ever met the right kind of a girl, somebody that's real, somebody that's alive, they don't come that way anymore. I suppose not. Certainly, I thought about falling in love. As a matter of fact, it may seem funny to you, Miss Ellie Andrews, but I'm just like everybody else, even if I haven't got any money, even if I'm not King Wesley. Of course you're like everybody else. I mean, you're not. I mean... Hey, stay on your own side of the blanket. I didn't know if you could hear me from where I was. I can hear everything you've got to say. Well, all I've got to say is this. I love you. You're married. I'm not really married. And anyway, I don't care. I love you. Oh, we can run away. Everything will take care of itself. Please, Peter. You can't just disappear out of my life now. I couldn't live without you. Oh, Peter. Go back to your bed. But, Peter, don't you understand? I mean it. I found out the last few days... Oh, I've found out so much. I know now. Go back to your bed. You mean you don't... Go back to your bed. Peter. All right. Sorry. And go to sleep. Yes. I'll go to sleep. I know it's late, but I've got to get to New York tonight. Look, I paid $200 for this watch a year ago. All I'm asking is $20. But this is a gasoline station, buddy, not a hot shop. Now, listen, fellow. I'll tell you what I'll do. When I come back in the morning, I'll buy it back from you and give you $20 profit. What do you say? I ain't used to this kind of thing. Okay, it's a deal.
Are you, Gordon? Get out of here. Now, wait a minute, Gordon. Get out. Joe, listen. Don't Joe me. Okay, Joe, listen. Those wires I sent you were on the level. It's the biggest story of the year. I've come to give it to you. You mean about the Andrews girl? That's it. I've got it all written up right here in my pocket, all ready to go. All I want is $500. What do you need 500 bucks for? To, to tear down the walls of Jericho. What? I, well, never mind. Listen. To start with, Ellen Andrews is going to have her marriage annulled, and then she's going to marry somebody else. You're drunk. Would a story like that be worth 500 bucks to you? If it's on the level. Well, that's the story. On the level. Who's she going to marry? Me, Joe. Now, I know you're drunk. Get out of here. And don't annoy me anymore. Now, listen, Joe. You've got to get this money for me now. Minutes count. She's waiting for me in the auto camp outside of Philadelphia. I've got to get right back. She doesn't know I'm gone. I figured it'll take about $500 to get us married and set until I can find something to do. Real story, all right. On a way to join her husband, Ellen Andrews falls in love. Listen here, Pete. If you're kidding me... Open that door! Just a minute. Uh, what's the matter? Where has your husband gone, young woman? Uh, my husband? If he is your husband. Oh, isn't he here? You know he ain't. He left an hour ago with his suitcase. Fell at the gas station up the road, told me. Borrowed $20 from him. Well, he, uh, he'll be back. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's why I took his suitcase. Well, I, I don't understand There's only one I... thing you've got to understand. You to get out of here right away. But you can't put me out at the crack of dawn. Oh, yes, I can. You want me to call the police or will you go peaceful? Well, can I use your telephone? I've decided to make a call. I've been... You ain't going to stick me for no phone calls. You can phone from the sheriff's office. Come on, start packing, you hussy. Oh, believe me, this is a terrible mistake. Don't I know it? Hey, listen, Hank, this is Gordon Hole, the morning edition. Break down the front page. Then send me a couple of rewrite men right away. Ellen Andrews isn't going to marry King Wesley at all. Yes, I know what I'm saying. She's going to give him the air. Wait a minute, Hank. There's another phone driving me crazy. Hello. What? What? Ellen Andrews? You're crazy. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, grab a card and stay with him. Hank. Hank, forget what I just told you. I was having a nightmare, Hank. Bill Graham just called. Ellen Andrews has phoned her father from an auto camp near Philadelphia to come and get her. He's getting a police escort. Wesley's going along, too. Andrew says he won't contest the marriage after all. He'll do anything to get her back. She's been traveling by bus. The minute she read her father and Wesley made up, she phoned in. And one thing more, Hank. Call up the police department. Tell them to find Peter Grant. Send out a general alarm. I want that drunken bum thrown in jail. Oh. Ellen Andrews returns home. Marriage halted by father to be resumed. Ellen Andrews and Aviator to have home wedding as love triumphs. Lovers reunited as part of B. Glad to be home, says Ellen. Ellen Andrews to be married tomorrow. Hello, Dad. I, I knocked several times. I'm sorry. I, I must have been daydreaming. Uh, everything's set, uh, Ellie. You look lovely. My child, you look perfectly lovely. Be a beautiful bride tomorrow. Are you pleased with your gown? Uh, I said, are you pleased with your gown, Ellie? Uh, oh, the gown. Yes, it's beautiful. Isn't it? 
Ellie, what's the matter? What's wrong? Nothing. You've been acting so strangely since you, your return. And where is it? Ellie, isn't this what you wanted? You haven't changed your mind about King, Em. Because oh, oh, no. if you have, it isn't too late. You know how I feel about him. All I want is to make you happy. I know that. Ellie, what is it? Aren't you happy, child? Oh, Dad. I thought so. I knew there was something on your mind. What is it, Ellie? Ellie, you haven't... You haven't fallen in love with someone else, have you? Have you? I haven't seen you cry since you were a baby. This must be serious. Where'd you meet him? All the way from Miami. Don't tell me you fell in love with a bus driver. Oh, no. Who is he? I don't, I don't know very much about him, except that I love him. Well, everything will be all right, all we got to do, because... You know, he despises me. He despises everything I stand for. He thinks I'm spoiled and pampered now, and selfish. He sounds wonderful. With an insight like that, I'd think that he you... He doesn't would... think so much of you either. No? He blames you for everything that's wrong with me. He thinks you raised me stupidly. The man's crazy. He's marvelous. I'd like to have a talk with him. No use. I practically threw myself at him and he left me. Anyway, we can call this wedding off. Oh, no, I'm going through with it. That's silly, child. It's ridiculous the way you feel. Well, that's no. Not... Got to settle down. Sit. Really doesn't matter how or where or with whom it wouldn't do any good to walk out on King now. Wouldn't make any difference. Never see Peter again. Peter, is that his name, Peter? Yes, Peter Grant. Peter, Gra Peter Grant. What? Do you know him? No, but I got a letter from a Peter Grant this morning. Never heard of the fellow before in my life. Here it is. Uh, uh, dear Mr. Andrews, I'd like to have a talk with you about a financial matter in connection with your daughter. Peter Grant. Oh. Yeah. That was his interest in me. The reward. Oh, I shouldn't have read it. Oh, yes, you should. Are you going to see him? I don't think so. I don't see any reason. Oh, please see him. Pay him off. He's entitled to his reward. He did an excellent job of keeping me thoroughly entertained. It's worth every penny he gets. Tell him I said so. Oh, oh may I come in? Oh, oh sure, man. King. Oh, come in. Oh, so I'll, I'll be going. I know you're not supposed to see me in my wedding dress till tomorrow, but... I'm so glad to see you, King. Here's some champagne. Have a drink. Oh, thanks, Ellie. How do you feel, Ellie? You happy? Happy? Why shouldn't I be happy? I'm getting the handsomest man in captivity. That's you, King, in case you don't know. Hey, King, let's have another drink. Let's drink to us. We finally made it, didn't we? We certainly did. It's up to us now. I want our life to be full of excitement. Let's never let up. Never a dull moment. Let's get on a merry-go-round and never get off. Promise you'll... You'll never let me get off. It's the only way to live. No time to think. Just keep going. Whatever you say. Oh, Mary. I knew you'd say that, King. That's why it's going to be so wonderful being married to you. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Oh, come, drink up to you and me. Good afternoon, Mr. Andrews. Grant? Yes. And before we begin, let me get this straight. It was my idea to come here just before this wedding ceremony. Not that I mind getting a load of this three-ring circus you're pulling. I've always wanted to see what love looks like, triumphant. Haven't had a good laugh in a week. But since you insisted that this was the only time you could I'm, see me... I'm uh, leaving for California, young man, right after the ceremony. And I wanted to get this financial affair of yours straightened out, whatever it is. You don't know what it is? About your daughter. 
I don't know what it is. My daughter told me nothing about any financial claims you have on her. That's typical of your daughter. Take those things for granted. Why did she think I lugged her all the way from Miami for the love of it? You misunderstand me. When I say she didn't tell me anything about it, I meant not until a little, little while ago. She told me to say she thinks you're entitled to anything you can get. Oh, she does, huh? Isn't that sweet of her? You don't, I suppose. Well, I don't know. I have to see what you base your claim. I presume you feel justified. If I didn't, I wouldn't be here. Got it all itemized. Want me to read it to you? Go ahead. Cash outlay, eight sixty. Top coat ruined by lipstick, $15. One pair of pajamas left behind at Philadelphia, kept by auto camp proprietor in lieu of rent, $6. $8 when new. Usury to, re- to redeem pledged watch, $20. Total, $49.60. Is uh, that all you want? $49.60? If you're thinking of the time I wasted, forget it. I'll throw that in. Well, that's very generous of you, but I... Now, just... What's the matter? Isn't it cheap enough? trip like that would cost you a thousand dollars, maybe more. Let me understand you correctly. You mean you want forty-nine sixty in addition to the ten thousand? What ten thousand? The reward. Who said anything about a reward? I'm afraid I'm a little confused. See, I, I assumed you were coming here for. All I want is forty-nine sixty. I wish you'd write me out a check and let me get out of this place. It gives me the jitters. Now, we go into that some other time. Average man, go after the reward. All you seem to be... Did anybody ever make a sucker out of you? This is a matter of principle. Something you probably don't understand. When somebody takes me for a buggy ride, I don't like the idea of having to pay for the privilege. Uh, You were taken for a buggy ride? Yes. Lap road, buggy whip, all the trimmings. How about the check? Do I get it? Here you are. Thanks. Do you mind if... I ask you something, frankly. Go ahead. I'm not promising to answer. Do you love my daughter? Any guy that would fall in love with your daughter should have his head examined. That's precisely my opinion, but answer my question. She just grabbed herself a perfect running mate, King Wesley, the pill of the century. And what she needs is a guy that would poke her in the nose every day, if it's coming to her or not. If you had half the brains you're supposed to have, you'd have done it yourself long ago. Every word of what you say is gospel truth, but you still haven't answered my question. Normal human being couldn't live under the same roof with her without going nuts. She's my idea of nothing. Less than nothing. No, I take that back. You're my idea of less than nothing. I'm still not able to quarrel with one single thing you've said, but I wish you'd answer my question. Do you love her? Yes. But don't hold that against me. I'm a little screwy myself. Been a sucker, I might as well continue. That fellow Grant is a... fine. He's okay. You're an idiot to let him get away from you, Ellie. Oh, don't talk to me about it. He never it. wanted the reward. He wouldn't take it, Ellie. He just asked for $49.60. What? That's what he spent on you. It's a matter of principle with him. Says you took him for a took him for a ride. You're lying. No, I'm not, Ellie. He loves you. He told me so. Told you what? Well, sing it again. He loves you. Ellie, you don't want to be married to a, a oh, mug Dad. like Wesley, do you? Dad, you're the grandest dad in the world. Now, don't worry about Wesley. I oh. can buy off Wesley with money. That's all he wants. And all I want is me to 
Oh, Dad, what'll I do? Very simple, very simple. There's a car waiting for you at the front gate. If you hurry and catch up to him. I'll do it. Goodbye, Dad. Good luck out there. Any of the guests get in your way, Ellie. Knock them down. What is it, Mr. Andrews? Did Ellie forget something? Yes, Wesley, she forgot. She forgot she was going to marry you. She remembered just in time, but she's not going to marry you, Wesley. She's not going to marry you, and I hope you want to make something of it. Here you are, Wesley, 100,000. I'm not contesting that enough, but that's uh, satisfactory, isn't it? Oh, yes, very satisfying. I ought to punch you in the nose, too, but I'll forget about it. I'm so happy. Oh, goodbye, Mr. Andrews, sir. Don't you even want to know where they were? Uh, no, sir. Then I'll tell you. I just got another wire there in Glen Falls, Michigan. Here's the wire. Up, up in the... Uh, what's holding up the annulment? Don't you realize that even the walls of Jericho could topple? That's so nuts. They certainly are. Isn't it wonderful? I wired it back perfectly legal now for them to topple. Pop. But you're nuts, too. Thanks. Yes, me, the couple in that cabin are awful peculiar. Peculiar? Crazy as a bass singer, both of them. Don't even think they're married. Oh, they're married, all right. I've seen the license. And you get them a rope and an extra blanket. It's not like this, too. What do you imagine that's for? I don't know what anything they want is for. I just brought them a trumpet. Trumpet? Yes, one of them toy things. Sent me down to the store to get it. What do they want for trumpet? Don't ask me. I never used a trumpet in my life. They just turned out the Rope, and an extra blanket, and a trumpet. I can't figure it out. You have been listening to the Candle Playhouse presentation of It Happened One Night, produced by Orson Welles and starring William Powell and Miriam Hopkins. In just a moment, Mr. Wells will be back with us, and a moment's time is all I need to remind you how perfectly Campbell's tomato soup meets the question of what soup to serve on almost any and all occasions. When you have friends in for dinner, bright plates of Campbell's tomato soup, steaming and fragrant, lend a gracious and festive air. And as cream of tomato prepared with milk instead of water, it has a richness and a smoothness that fit in delightfully with a gay party mood. And so, when you're having guests, and also when just your family sit down to a quiet meal together, I'm sure you'll want to remember the soup that is most people's favorite. The soup served often and enjoyed always. Campbell's Tomato Soup. And now, here is Orson Welles. And now, ladies and gentlemen, having proved to you, we think that being taken for a bus ride is not necessarily the modern equivalent of being taken for a buggy ride. So, as a matter of fact, what is generally called a net result is the same gives me great pleasure to present to you our guest stars of the evening, Mr. William Powell and Miss Miriam Hopkins. Thank you, Orson Welles. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Orson Welles, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. Powell and Miss Hopkins, of course, are both old friends of the Campbell Playhouse. Mr. Powell, in fact, was once the master of ceremonies. This very microphone. 
and Miss Hopkins has favored us with a goodly number of impressive performances. In your behalf, ladies and gentlemen, I propose to welcome them back as actual members of the Campbell Playhouse family and to assure Just them... Just one moment, Austin. There's a small matter I'd like to take up with Mr. Powell first, if you don't mind. You may have noticed, my dear Mr. Peter Powell. And you may have noticed, my dear Miss Ellie Hopkins, that there was a distinct promise of a sequel in the final scene of It Happened One Night, played by your revered father and myself. References made, I may even say that a hope is held out. But the fact that you were to receive a crack in the jaw daily, starting with your nuptials, for your own good and that of your neighbors. So if you'll be good enough... Oh, that's what I wanted to talk about. Just because you happened to have a scene in which I wasn't present, you thought you could be bold and brave and not be held to account for it, didn't please, you? Uh, well, let me tell you... Uh, what? Please, Mr. Paul, Miss Hopkins. Uh, well, he started. And I propose to finish it, too. There must be something I can do, then. Ah, I have it. What have you? Well, nobody's going to talk about what he's going to do to me and think he can get away with it. Well, just because I'm not around when he says please, it, I... Please, Miss Hopkins, Miss Paul, listen just for one moment. Herman? Peter, darling. Ellie, my love. Bill. Miriam. I'm just a court of domestic relations in swing. Mr. Powell and Miss Hopkins, I want to tell you on behalf of the Campbell Playhouse how delighted we are to have you back with us. I can't imagine a more delightful reunion. It's been great. And you will be back with us again as soon as you can. Of course. <laughs> Thank you very much, William Powell and Miriam Hopkins. Good night. Good night, Orson. Good night. Ladies and gentlemen, in tonight's Campbell Playhouse production, also present in the company were Mr. Everett Sloan, Mr. Ray Collins, Mr. John Houseman, your obedient servant, Miss Virginia Gordon, Mr. Richard Wilson, and Mr. Benny Rubin. Music, as always, was the responsibility of the good doctor Bernard Herman and his wildcats, and now as to next week, as to next Sunday night. Ladies and gentlemen, we offer you our version of one of the most fascinating chronicles, I think, of an English theatrical family. The celebrated Broom Stages, by Miss Clemence Dane. As our guest star, we are especially happy to welcome back to the Campbell Playhouse for next week's performance, Miss Helen Hayes, which you know is appearing on the air exclusively with us this season. So until then, until next Sunday night in Broom Stages, my sponsors, the makers of Campbell Soup, and all of us here in the Campbell Playhouse remain, as always, obediently yours. <laughs>